In this episode, we're going to talk about drugs in the White House. How did they get there? Nobody knows. Malaria mosquitoes? How did those happen in America? Anti-vaxxers. Gosh. Uh, exactly. And is World War III imminent? Are we on the verge of World War III again for the fifth time in the last year? And then finally, I'm going to explore why don't we hate sin or evil as a culture, broadly, generally, and then exploring that. So it should be an ex exciting episode, to say the least. Um, but before we do any of that, I have a show and tell, a little reverting back to the old, old uh, style here. This here is a, is a coin purse, coin bag from my great-great-grandfather. Uh, he used to go by Papa Mel, but his actual name was Manuel, Manuel Antonio Senna. He lived um, from 1851 to 1937. And apparently my dad said he was a very frugal guy. So he's really, maybe, I don't know if that meant cheap or if he was just good with his money or what, but... He ended up being able to buy a bunch of property in Los Ranchos here in Albuquerque near the river. And that was then handed down to his daughter and then handed down, I'm trying to think here, the generations. He bought the land. Great grandma ended up with some of the property. Okay, so yeah, he had a ton of it, I guess, but... My great-grandmother ended up with a bunch of the property, or some of the property, and then she handed it down. Um, she actually sold it. It was like a dollar an acre to my grandparents, or my grandpa. He ended up buying the property. And then uh, he handed it down to my dad, and my dad, you know, because he knew that he would keep it in the family. So now my sister occupies some of that. Sadly, I was never offered... To, to buy or any of that, so, but it's okay. My sister has it. Built a beautiful home on, on some of that property. Maybe you're in somebody's will. Maybe it'll, it'll Maybe in the future. Your lap I'm in God's point. will. How's that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, but it was, there, there's a cool story. I, the, uh, I, my dad used to tell me, he said that uh, during the Great Depression, because uh, they used to utilize the land, they used to you use it for fruit or whatever they grow watermelons or whatever the heck. And, um, they would sell it on fourth street, just like an old fruit stand. And, uh, during the great depression, people would come and, uh, they'd be hungry and they'd come and work for food. And, uh, but yeah, Los Ranchos, if I could live down in that area, I would Bree wouldn't though. She doesn't want to live down there. Why is that? She, um, Maybe she would, but she, I don't know. She's, she likes being near her mom for kid purposes and all that stuff. But I have this weird thing with like needing lights and Los Ranchos is a pretty dark part of town. Like in the evenings, if it's super dark, like driving home into the dark, it'll mess with me. I'll get like super weird and like, like turn into a recluse. Just like spooked or what Not do you mean? spooked, like like maybe depressed maybe that's what it is you're talking about like street lights yeah well i'm sensitive to lighting period so if lighting sucks my life sucks like my day sucks yeah i'm similar like i didn't realize i hated like a particular office i was in for a long time but the lighting was just terrible yep. oh it's a it's a big deal yeah it's me. crazy it'll yeah. change everything so driving home like los ranchos is beautiful but it's like kind of more rural feeling so mm -hmm. i think that would mess with me 
it like really? driving into the dark. So you're like, that's night. why you like living in the downtown well lit. I love it. Yeah. I really like, it's been great for my mental health. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm chilling with the hobos, but Hey, it's well lit, you know? Oh, I'd much rather be in the middle of nowhere. Really? It's so much more exciting. The, the wild, you know, the animals, the, the bugs, you know, I don't know. The, and being out and it's quiet. It's like, whoa, this, I'm in nature. That, I, that's my dream. To be on nature. It, yeah, to own some land, but to, to just like have like a porch or something that doesn't see civilization. Whoa, <laughs> kind really? Of. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love to like watch a sunset in the middle of a ranch. Quiet, oh. dead quiet. That's my dream. The peace and quiet of like no highways, no roads, no city. I like people and I'm sure I would miss it. But uh, I would do it. I would love it. And Los Ranchos is kind of like a little, it's not an in-between. It's in the city, but it is quieter down there. You can get out of the way, though. Yeah. You kind of leave Albuquerque proper and kind of go into Los Ranchos. Yeah. There's really not like a great place that I would really want to move in this area. Right? I mean, you can go East Mountains. You can go Cedar Crest, which is, I don't know. I spent a lot of time up there. Not really into the mountain world. I'd rather, I don't know. I don't, I'd run to live by the river, you know? I think that's the smartest thing to do, especially like a bug out situation. You gotta have like some water. Have some water, yeah. yeah. That's where my mind is. <clears throat> but yeah, they used to utilize that land, man. Anyways, that's, that's Papa Mel. I don't know, I thought that was pretty cool. My dad gave that to me. It's like super weathered. Put it in this little shadow box. Kind of cool. That's that. And then um, kind of some featured jewelry. These are some of my one-of-a-kind pieces. I'll put that in the front of the camera. This is a Tufacast cuff. I don't know if I showed that before, but uh, this is um, Kingman Waterweb Turquoise. These are some of the pieces that uh, I still have. At the end of the month, um, I will be at the Santa Fe, gosh, I don't know what it's called, the Contemporary Hispanic Market. I think that might be the technical title. So if you're in the area, come see us. We're going to have a booth. My dad will be at a different booth. It'll be a fun party, I think, probably. But uh, yeah, and lastly, listen through the entire show because we have um, our secret 24-hour sale, and you got to listen for the code. So it'll be live for the first 24 hours. This uh, show is live on all podcast platforms. With that, let's get into the show. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, we just got past the 4th of July. That was last night. Uh, we're filming this on Wednesday this week because of that. How was your 4th of July? It was good. I don't know if you saw online, but uh, me and my family put together a Union Jack pinata. Mm -hmm. Beat the crap out of it. I think I did see a clip of that, yeah. So that was fun. Uh, what people didn't see is my brothers had filled the pinata with American cheese. Huh. And so <laughs> I don't think that was the, the prize. Wow. So I think we'll do that each year. We'll beat up the Union Jack. I don't know what the Union Jack is. It's the uh, British flag. flag. Okay. So I'm just kind of going to town on, on Great Britain for a little bit. There you go. Are you you revolutionary. Know, as we do. <clears throat> I uh, took the kids swimming to a friend's house. They swimmed all day. It was a wild time. Tons of fireworks. 
it's cra- it's like it's like people are getting crazier with the fireworks. The more expensive, the bigger ones, like they're not even holding back. They're definitely illegal still, especially in New Mexico. Yeah, they're definitely Dry illegal. Dry state. Like it's, it's, yeah, you have to go to Moriarty if you're local. You have to go like out of the city to actually be able to buy them. Moriarty has a f- more flexible laws. Isn't it Moriarty, right? Yeah, Moriarty, is, which is weird that they don't shut it down because it's like a 40-minute drive maybe. Yeah. And you can get whatever fireworks you want. And everyone knows that's yeah. what you do. My favorite thing is to watch them from the South Valley because it's just like it's like a baseball game level show because the whole neighborhood's doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's always fun. That's my favorite thing to do. Mm. Yeah, so we did that last night, and then I had a Bible study at like six in the morning, so I had to wake up at like five fifteen ish. And uh, so I'm I'm kind of exhausted, but we're going to do this, and we're going to have a good time. I'm on plenty of coffee right now. Where's that coffee from? Uh, this is from Sopo. Sopo coffee, Sopo roasting. I've been drinking this since this morning. I, t- I was wondering, I'm like, did I open this late? That's my second big cup, but yeah, I was like back here actually earlier. I was like, dude, I'm so tired. I laid on the floor. I was for like a half an hour. I set a timer and everything. Did I wake you up earlier when I called? You sounded a little groggy when I called you earlier. No, I don't think so. I think that was before I tried to <laughs> rest. Before you tapped out? Yeah, I was, I was exhausted. Um, did you see that clip this, um, of uh, in Minneapolis, the Somali youth? I didn't, but you sent it over, so let's, let's pull this thing up. <laughs> it's a clip of these like Somali immigrants shooting fireworks at the police officers. Really awesome. Going to have to do this next year. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening in the world right now? I don't know. It's like there's no... Res- like respect for humanity whatsoever we're like having we're in the, we're gonna engage dude this next election cycle is gonna be freaking mayhem you think that's it oh dude i mean from france and then i saw a clip from canada so there was a similar situation going on in canada it was like a probably a one-off in canada but it was like france and then there was like two other countries were engaged in like civil unrest because of the same thing because of a, a france police shooting Oh, so it's like trickling and other people are, yeah. are like joining in. Yeah. Yeah. And so Weird. there's, dude, my, my guess, um, just from observing the internet in the past 72 hours is that we're going to have a reckoning with nationalism, with serious in, in the, in the public debate. I think it's a, a necessary conversation to have. And it's been happening for a long time, but, but specific, I think it's actually going to get a lot more serious. And, you know, I was thinking about it. This isn't in my notes, but, I, you know, I was thinking about it a lot because we've been talking about identity on the show and, you know, personal identity, how we identify ourselves through our parents or through our heritage, those different things, like what I did with this, right? I don't, you know, but... I think it's interesting because when you look at group identities and how different groups identity, uh, identify, I've been really thinking about and trying to really understand what is a nation? Because you know, many nations define themselves, what is a nationality? They identify themselves on a bunch of different... Um, I think I want to do an episode on this at some point. I need to do more research though. But what is a nationality? What is a nation defined by? And, and, and the identity, and, and, and sometimes it's ethnicity, of course. Sometimes it's, um, 
you know, their faith, a belief structure, uh, just sets a sense of values, family values, different things like that, or the opposite. And um, though nations don't really stand on, it's like that. The, for example, like the um, there was a clip by Patrick Bet David that I saw today. It was talking about LGBTQ, all these things, and how that tends to be. Uh, I don't think it's even disputed, but that at the end of the Roman Empire, the end of empires gender and sexuality become this happened in the, the, the weimar republic it tends to be like this crazy ideological war that happens and uh, but it tends to not last it tends to be more of a an end a, a descriptor of the end of an empire the end of a nation the end of all that to say i think what, what i'm observing through the french revolution situation is that the debate, and I think it's going to be healthy. I hope it's healthy. It's a necessary thing to discuss and, and chew on uh, of what is a nation? How do you define it? Does multiculturalism, is it, is it, because that's what we live in in America. I think a lot of people, that's going to be put back into the conversation. Is this something that um, can sustain itself? And then you have other ideologies with uh, Christian nationalism or, I mean, there's so many different competing identities. And that's the problem with the multiculturalism. Is it something that can be maintained? That's the experiment of America, I guess. But that would be a fun topic to kind of explore with, with more depth and knowledge. I don't think I'm prepared right now to give it, but um, yeah, I, we're, on, we're on the verge of that. And I think definitely, I think the election season's going to, emphasize some more of that too many clashing sets of values and it seems like a lot of them are coming to a fever pitch the intolerance is you know i think it's good to a degree right i mean we just got through pride week and i think a lot of people are like they're done in fact that video i was um bringing up patrick Pet david he was talking he's going through the statistics from the 70s to the 2000s and then to now how it's gone up, or it was, it was like 2020 and then to 2020 to 2023, and how the statistics are actually be, more people are becoming intolerant again versus more tolerant from 70s to 2020. And so, you know, it seems like the public uh, people, it's, it's just interesting how things are changing. And uh, I'm curious to see how that'll end up uh, in society in the West. I think it's a big experiment and um, we'll see how it resolves. I'm here for it. I think you're thinking too hard about this and all, what we need to do is just bump a line with Biden and uh, get on with our lives. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So they were trying to like say it wasn't cocaine, right? They were saying it's a white substance that, um, and then they tested it and the first test was like, okay, that's cocaine. Yeah, it turns out it is. So this is Forbes uh, cocaine found in the white house. No idea. I wonder how that got there. I wonder. I wonder who possibly would have brought that into the White House. Mm, I don't know. Um, a powdery white substance that tested positive as cocaine in preliminary tests was found in the White House, sparking an investigation from the U.S. Secret Service, the agency said Tuesday. Then they have a picture of the White House. I want to see the baggie. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see that clip of Zelensky with a with a line on this table no yeah, is that real? straight up no way. um yeah i'll have to find it it'll be a fun one you know yeah um 
<laughs> what is it with cocaine in the West and the Western leaders? I don't know. Uh, so that happened. Uh, it's still kind of going on. I guess there's an investigation. And today Biden was asked about it in a meeting by the press. They asked him what, um, how did it get there? Do you have that one? Let me find that. <clears throat> and he just smirks. He's like, no idea. That wasn't my son or anything. I don't know. Everybody, you can see there that the president was asked many questions, including how cocaine got into the White House, but did not answer. I wouldn't be surprised if it's commonplace, honestly. Like, I would not be surprised if like interns just have cocaine. But how I, I, I can't imagine it is commonplace because how did it make the news? You know, like if it is commonplace, like what, how did, I, what I was thinking through is like, how is the, what is the process that this, did, did somebody like that wasn't supposed to see it, saw it and was going to say something. So they're like, oh shoot, we got to, yeah, what is that? It was like some new kid in the secret service, exactly. some, some like drug narc and he's like sounding the alarm and everyone's Who got like, fired. Yeah, totally fired yeah. today. Yeah. Like if it was tied to the Bidens, you think that it would be swept under the rug, which makes me think if it's like an intern or someone, that's got to be almost like the culture, you know? I don't doubt that that. That's a part of the culture, but in the actual White House, maybe it's like that's a little much. Yeah, exactly, that's a little much. Exactly. And so there's this um, clip going around today of um, Hunter maybe doing something sketchy. Did he do a bump on on a, uh, a secret bump? You have that one? Too? Yeah, it's pulling up. <clears throat> Here he is, dude. This audio. Oh, uh, did you see that clip? Yeah, totally. Whoa. Oh, dude, he's just not in good shape. I actually really feel, I don't know. Do I feel bad for him? It's so hard. I mean, you don't want to see someone who's just like throwing their whole life away, but he's under so much pressure, constant cultural pressure, like in humiliation and all of his private life is, you know, getting exposed for the sake of getting at his dad, you know, it's pretty rough. Yeah, it doesn't help that he's a dirtbag, though. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's I mean, rough. I guess, you know, you reap what you sow, and you kind of lived a... But it's also hard, because he, like, grew up with a silver spoon type of thing. Like, he's just a privileged kid that probably didn't have to... I don't know. You know, you wonder the inside situation there. Was he... Is he more of a victim in the early situation? Or It's possible. So I have a hard time piling on, piling on, but the um, story of how cocaine got in there is, I think, quite silly. And then um, I saw this today, scrolling Twitter. I'm sure people are going to be so pissed. Breaking. Former President Donald Trump's classified documents case likely to be dismissed due to DOJ misconduct, according to new reports. How funny. Finally got him. If they drop all the charges, do you think that they're going to burn the streets? Like, what's going to no. be the repercussion? Or you no. think people are just tired of it already? Yeah. No, I don't think they'll burn the streets at this point. I don't think people... I think the, I think the um, hatred toward him, well, has kind of waned. I kind of do. I kind of think that the uh, this mass psychosis is kind of worn down quite a bit. I, 
funny enough, I was talking to a guy the other day, last week, and uh, we were talking about things that were like really verboten, forbidden to talk about, like BLM and stuff like that. And he asked me about it and he was, and he, he commented, he's like, yeah, if this was like, you know, before, like, it's like all of the heat has kind of died down. All of the tension around some of these subjects has really kind of died down. And so they're not so consequential anymore. And so, yeah, even that one, I just think there are people, you know, you can run into people who are just like freaking out. But like, I feel like if I were to wear a MAGA hat or something nowadays, I'm not going to get the same response that I would have in election season 2020 or 2016. Because <clears throat> I think a lot of the narrative has been kind of disputed, right? The Russia collusion case, not true. The, um, really, what is there? I mean, I mean, he's kind of, I think more right-wingers don't like him than, you know, left-wingers just because of like his stance on um, medications, you know, things like that. Yeah, I wonder if he, because he's less of like a figure now, if that's even working against him in like a primary election. Mm. Like he's less consequential. He's less like hot button. Uh, and that's kind of his brand, right? Mm -hmm. He stirs the pot and people thrive for the attention that he brings. So I wonder what that's going to mean in the long run. Yeah. He seems like he's kind of like. He's got to be tired. Domesticated. Yeah. He's got, I mean, it's he's, hard. I mean, he's been yeah. through a lot. Yes. Absolutely. He's been through so many things. He's weathered so many storms. That's not a dog whistle for Q, I swear. <laughs> the storm is coming. Um, it's another story. Um, we're doing like news quick hits and then we'll hit the first topic. But um, there was a mass shooting, was it yesterday or the day before? It was on the 4th. So it was yesterday. Yeah, it was on the 4th. And um, there was probably multiple. Did you say there was multiple? Yeah, was there it? was multiple. So I, I was trying to find the, the clips, but I couldn't. Uh, there were a few news outlets today that said that 4th of July was completely overshadowed with the bloodletting of multiple massacres in the U.S. yesterday on the 4th. So how could we, you know, celebrate and enjoy our hot dogs on the 4th of July when there's mass murder in the streets? And uh, when you break down the numbers, it's like it's, it's blatantly obvious that gun violence is actually on the decline. So and what's funny about that is gun ownership is skyrocketing. So there tends to be a mm -hmm. uh, inverse correlation between gun murders and gun ownership, which is what the right has been saying for decades. Uh, but one of them that has kind of come under scrutiny or gotten a lot of attention is this one that happened at a BLM event yesterday. I didn't realize it happened at a BLM event. I, I think it was. Maybe, maybe I'm, I need to be corrected. On BLM that. supporter Kim... Kim Brady, that's one, that's one word, one name. Watson Carricker, interesting, named as suspect in Philadelphia mass shooting. This is a um, beautiful woman um, that you got to watch to see here. Yeah, if, if you're just listening, you're, you can't. <laughs> if, you're, if you're in the, uh, this is an inappropriate time to laugh. If, you, if you're only listening, you cannot you fully appreciate the photo of the... Uh, of the lovely lady on our screen. Mm -hmm. So I'm acting very unladylike. Uh, what is the story? The suspect wanted in connection with a, with a shooting in Southwest Philadelphia on Monday night. Oh, so this was Monday. Uh, okay. Yeah. Has been identified as 40-year-old Kim Brady Watson Carricker. 
according to the Philadelphia Inquirer, Carriker was arrested on Monday evening after allegedly shooting and killing five people and injuring two children in the King, uh, King what does it say? King Sessing? King Sessing uh, neighborhood. Police said they apprehended a male suspect. That's, come on. Come on. Article. Misgendering at Jeez. its finest. Uh, why, why would they ever even assume that? Why would they ever assume? Um, Unless you're assuming it's a straight white male. Never assume. Exactly. Who was wearing a ballistic vest. Police Commissioner Danielle Outlaw. Outlaw, is that really her name? How ironic. A That's police con- commissioner named Danielle Outlaw said law enforcement responded to gunfire in the area of South 56th Street and Chester Avenue shortly before 5, uh, 8.30 p.m. So for the listener, it's a man uh, who likes to dress up as a woman. And how, was they, how would they frame it in the, art, in the CNN article? They framed it as like um, a, so a the, male gamer. The CNN art, article... Uh, just goes all in on the on it's a male and here's the actual photo they use mm. so they're totally trying to stay away from wait the so where did the transgender thing happen or come from from the photo of this dude dressed up like a woman I oh, think. Okay. yeah i think it's just from the photos that this person was posting so would that be considered cross-dresser or transgender or i try not to put line... myself in the position of splitting these hairs okay these, these are the yeah. hairs i don't like to yeah, split okay fair enough yeah, I can't, I don't know that, I'm not cultured on the difference there. I was following this early on and, uh, or, or like loosely, not, not, you know, headlines pop up on your phone. And uh, one of the first reports was saying that it was a gamer. Like they tried to make it like a computer yeah. nerd, like, you know, so you can yeah. totally tell they're coming from the like radicalized by video games point of view. Yeah. And it's just totally not. That's All not framing. the story here. Yeah. It's crazy how you can, um, you can tell a story from any angle, with any bent, with any motive, and just highlight certain details. And you're never technically lying, right? Now you're being ethically um, deceptive, but you can really like male, you know, uh, gamer, like they'll just use the, de- the, the um, identifiers that they want to attack and they'll leave out the identifiers that would look badly on things they don't want to. <clears throat> and so, uh, yeah, I think that's very, very interesting. And then there was another headline. I don't know. This one's pretty, pretty brutal. Um, geez, man. Uh, I guess there was a boy that was abused by two women is the framing. Yeah. So the article said that there was a teenage boy who was sexually abused by two women and left naked like in public. Um, of course, once you look into the story, they're misgendering. Like, ironically, it was obviously two males who were trans mm-hmm. who attacked this boy. And the, the description is like two females, like five, nine and six something in like a crop top. Like, why would you even, why would you even describe the attacker if it's going to be do no use to the general public and trying to stop what's happening? So, but it's verifiable. These were, these were biological men. From what I understand, I can try to dress as women. I know one of them was six, three. There aren't very many women that are, that tend to be six, three. That was one of the big details that I, I remember latching onto. How tall is big Mike? Big Mike. Jeez. Uh, well, that's a whole nother thing, dude. Um, 
Do you believe that one? I don't. I don't either. But the uh, but the back photos next to like Muhammad Ali or the the, the resemblance. I think they're is very funny. They're very funny, but I don't I don't think they're true. Uh, did you hear the rumor that uh, it's going to be Gavin Newsom and Mich- Michelle Michael Obama? What do you Michelle mean? Obama? Oh, uh, really? Like as running that, mates? Yeah, I, I don't know. I saw that rumor running around that that Biden's kind of going to get overtaken, or you know, he's going to. Like drop out, out or something go for them yeah i mean I, I i'm a little afraid of gavin newsom personally the guy's pretty pretty scary he has like major supervillain vibes he's genuine he's actually the nephew of nancy right yeah miss pelosi speaker pelosi all right well that's that's enough of that crazy talk let's go into another crazy topic um there's this thread I came across. It was actually a, a video on, on Instagram, but then I looked up the thread by Chief Nerd. He did all this research. So play the beginning of the, of the clip first. Let's open up with Bill Gates. Bill Gates is funding res, uh, research into mosquitoes, uh, biologically engineered mosquitoes to attempt to kill off other mosquitoes. What could go wrong? Transmitted by mosquitoes. Uh, I brought some here just so you could uh, experience this. We'll let, let those roam around the uh, auditorium a little bit. It's actually a pretty good joke. There. There's no reason only poor people should have, have the experience. Uh, the difficulty with malaria is it's a very difficult market to get investment in. So we hmm? have been talking to the major aid founders, funders like um, in Gates. So I'm hoping over the next few years that we get the green light and we get funding and we can have a go. At no one's going to fund There's malaria, so we went straight to Gates. That, uh, can change the uh, mosquito DNA in a way that either the population uh, goes down a lot or it doesn't carry this parasite. And uh, you know, we're talking through with the African countries uh, what sort of tests trials do we need to do hasn't he been banned from certain african countries i don't know if he's been banned but he is not looked well upon in Mm -hmm. a lot of african countries like any genetically engineered organism ever created before they are designed to spread their genetic mutation in the wild so pause someday so there's this uh you know you can get into some wild stuff but if you do some research i haven't done an extensive amount of research on crispr uh, but it's essentially like a program, a government-funded program to um, genetically engineer, modify animals like cows, um, mosquitoes, um, by editing their DNA. Very weird stuff, like playing God stuff, like Tower of Babel type things. That's how I see it. <clears throat> and so he's sitting here, I guess Bill Gates and and his friends figuring out how, how can we George Soros and Satan, his friends. Exactly. Exactly. Um, how do we fund or how do we, uh, kill off the population of mosquitoes or end malaria? Like it's always kind of shrouded in this philanthropy. He's our favorite philanthropist. Um, how do we, how do we, save the planet from this next thing and why is he so involved in so many different things and he's also obsessed with population control 
He, yes. he brings that up all there's a TED the talk, time. Yeah, there's a TED Talk clip about that. Uh, and he actually talks a lot about, you know, that certain therapy that shall not be um, discussed. If we're really good, he says it's actually a verbatim, it's not verbatim, but paraphrasing, he says something along the lines, if we do a really good job with vaccines, we can um, help with the overpopulation. With overpopulation. How dark is that? I mean, how, how weird is it? Like, how does that logically, I don't know, it sounds, it's not Which good. is crazy, because if you say it with a smile. Exactly. Everyone's happy. And not only that, when, when you know that he just said it, he just said it. He says we're you know, CRISPR, you know, gen- genetically modifying mosquitoes so that we can um, cull the population of mosquitoes or and malaria. They're literally modifying DNA. To, to change nature. They're playing God. And not even in the cool Jurassic Park kind of way. In no. The, like life-ending, murderous kind of a way. No. Uh, but what I think it's just so bizarre is that logically thinking, if they're doing this with mosquitoes, cows, what's to say they're not doing that with humans in some sort of way? So anyways... Um, I think that's very, very bizarre. Uh, and so recently there was like a couple cases of malaria, recently, recently, uh, in Florida and in Texas, if I'm not mistaken, which were the two states that he was uh, allowed to release these mosquitoes in. So it kind of makes you wonder, go back to the thread, if you still have it. <clears throat> so they, yeah, go down. Let's see, he's got a bunch of things. This is the chief nerd on Twitter. It, it ought to be, I have to say this, because the funding was approved to fund the bioengineered male mosquitoes, which are the ones that apparently don't bite you or don't feed off you. It's the females that do that, I think. That's, I believe, what this thread kind of mentions here. But yeah, they had approval to, to field test in Texas and in Florida. And it's, it's proven, and not just in those, our states, but around the world to see if this technology would actually work. It's weird that they would assume the gender of the mosquito that's biting me. Yeah. Science. Just got to believe the science, man. That's the most ironic thing, by the way. Um, so that's all of the places where they're going to test it. It's called Oxitec is the company. Apparently he made like, on his investment in, into, into Pfizer, like hundreds of millions of dollars throughout the last few years. But, you know, he's just philanthropy, uh, philanthropist, philanthropying. All right, that's enough of that. I don't know if I had much more on that. Oh, actually, the last, yeah, the next clip was a Twitter thing. Um, Even though Bill Gates is on record for talking about all this mosquito stuff, a woman goes on a news channel and actually gives us the real reason why there was malaria cases. Malaria in the U.S. And here to tell us more is Dr. Shira Darone, the Chief Infection Control Officer for Tufts Medicine Health System. Dr. Darone, good to see you. Good to see you. All right, Dr. Darone, so nationally, the U.S. typically sees about 2,000 cases of malaria each year, but for the past 20 years, those patients were infected outside the country. So what can you tell us about these new cases? There's a big difference here. Well, I'm glad not to be talking to you about COVID today. So what's going on here is that there have been four patients in Florida 
and one in Texas diagnosed with malaria so far. And none of them have traveled to another country. Now, this has happened before. This is like a bioweapon that they just release into the general well, public. Don't know anyone. And luckily at that time, you can't, you can't even, without becoming a long-standing <laughs> you can't think those thoughts. Can't even think those thoughts, dude. have warned that climate change could alter the distribution of various mosquito species such that we could start seeing malaria mm. regularly in places that don't It always is it, and climate change. Mm. I'm realizing. It's always climate change. We need to give the government some more money to research this, I think. So, uh, I would have never thought, but I guess that makes more sense than Bill Gates funding some sort of bioengineered mosquitoes and releasing them in the states where malaria was found. I'm sure it has nothing to do with that. All right, that's enough of that. So I've been seeing this uh, recently. And since we were talking about it vaguely um, last episode, Putin, rooting for Putin episode, um, the imminent World War III, apparently, dude, this is, this is a weird one, actually. So yeah, I'll just read it. Russia, Ukraine, um, I cannot pronounce that, is Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. Apparently, it's 10 times larger than um, Chernobyl, if something were to happen. Nuclear disaster fears. False flag imminent. Um, the biggest nuclear power plant in Europe, 10 times larger than Chernobyl, is currently under Russian control and has been or has become a major point of concern in the Ukraine war. Russia seized the plant in February 2022. The plant is located in southeastern Ukraine, but is currently under Russian control. Um, yeah, that's, it's right there. So the, let's go down. Why is this a big deal? If the plant were to blow up, the repercussions would be unimaginable, leaving thousands of lives at risk, vast amounts of land uninhabitable, and forcing thousands more people to relocate. It would also add an extra layer of an unprecedented amount of chaos to an already brutal war. Zelensky has claimed that objects resembling explosives have been planted on the roof of the power plant by the Russians. Russia has denied these allegations and claimed that Ukraine mili Ukraine's military is planning an attack on the plant. So we'll go through both claims. I like that Mario on Twitter here, he kind of gives both claims, Ukraine's side of the argument and then Russia's side of the argument. Zelensky believes that Russia is planning to blow up the power plant. Many Ukrainians and, and war analysts believe that this could be done to halt the reason why, to halt the advance of Ukrainian troops and the force Kiev in, and to force Kiev into premature peace talks that favor the Kremlin. Also, uh, many also believe that if Ukraine's current counteroffensive achieves major, major successes, not likely, Russia will blow up the power plant to save face and push back the advance of Ukrainian troops by contaminating the area. Yesterday, Zelensky spoke to French President Emmanuel Macron and warned him that the Russians are preparing dangerous provocation at, at the power plant. So this is Russia's side of it. Under the cover of darkness overnight, apparently tonight, um, the fifth of July, which is tonight, the Ukrainian military will try to attack the power plant. I cannot pronounce that word. Sorry, there's using not nearly enough vowels in that word. Can you pronounce it? No, there's no way. Can you try? <laughs> Long range um, precision equipment and kamikaze attack drones. 
Russia, Russian news agencies quoted Renat Karcha, chief advisor to the, ha- the head of Russia's atomic energy agency. Um, so essentially, what I understand is happening here is that Russia believes that Ukraine's going to attack the power plant as a false flag to bring in NATO. So this is where Lindsey Graham comes in in the next thread here. So Lindsey, coincidentally, right, uh, we have, I believe it's um, Blumenthal and Lindsey Graham. Do you have that thread? Do you want to play the video or pull up the thread? Uh, pull up the thread. It's essentially Lindsey Graham and, and um, I forget, the Richard Blumenthal. So it's a rep- Republican and Democrat, although I don't think anyone likes either of them. Um, they take the Ukraine side here, and they're, they're going to say that Putin's going to attack it on purpose. I just don't understand that logic, but they, they, they've, they've created this. And so they say if they do this, then they're going to trigger NATO's entry into the war. Doesn't, isn't, is Russia not relying on the power that's supplied by this power plant? I mean, Apparently they just cut the... power to the power plant, uh, Ukraine. Oh. Uh, but that's later. So um, keep going down. There's a propaganda video that I thought was so interesting. So this is the, uh, the resolution, as they say. Keep going down. This is him talking about it. Go ahead and play that video. Here's what I think is real. According to President Biden, the use of a tackler nuclear weapon by Russia is becoming a more real scenario as Ukraine gains momentum on the battlefield. Are they, though? Come so on. I'm letting the Russian generals know. If you follow the order of Putin to blow up the nuclear facility, the plant, to radiate Europe, or you drop a tactical nuclear weapon to turn around the war you're losing, I consider that an attack on NATO, and Senator Blumenthal, a Democrat, agrees. You cannot irradiate half of Europe and expect NATO to sit on the sidelines. So it's a warning to the generals. So that's kind of his general perspective. Let's go to, there's a video here where Zelensky, I guess they put this out like the end of last month. This must, this is not it. This is him essentially saying imminent, they're going to bomb it. This is Russia's perspective. Do you play this? Yeah. Of July, with a missile containing a nuclear dirty bomb warhead. That's according to the head advisor to the general director of Ross Energo Atom. Let's get more details on this and cross live to RT correspondent Steve Sweeney, who's in Donetsk. Uh, Steve, what do we know so far? Well, we've heard the report that uh, Ukrainian forces are allegedly planning to uh, launch a strike against the Zaporozhia nuclear power plant. Zaporozhia. The Tochka-U missile armed with a dirty bomb, a nuclear, uh, a nuclear armed with nuclear uh, waste. Now, this comes after uh, both Russia and Ukraine have been trading barbs over the past few weeks with each side accusing the other of launching or about to launch an imminent attack. Then on Tuesday morning, Ukraine uh, cut the main external power line to the nuclear power plant, causing it to rely on backup supplies. Now, this is a power line uh, that ensures uh, nuclear security and nuclear safety, causing the International Atomic Energy Agency chief, Rafael Grossi, uh, to raise concerns over... Inside of Ukraine. What should the red line be um, and then, so I'm obviously 
I'm not buying the, the West's perspective here, the Ukrainian perspective. I don't trust Zelensky. I don't trust Lindsey Graham. I don't, you know, not, I do trust the Russian situation more. I mean, they, they've been, are they on the defensive? Are they getting, are they losing this? I don't think so. I guess it depends on who you're listening to, right? Um, but from what I hear, um, they're definitely not um, needing to blow up a nuclear power plant to prevent Gosh, that's just crazy. It's apparently the biggest nuclear power plant in Europe. Would be terrible. Um, and so there was this video. This is, this, this is where it gets real suspicious to me. So Zelensky has a, a, a propaganda video. I say, I say Zelensky, I guess it's the, the state of Ukraine, where if, um, actually, do you have it? It's in that same thread. That's the one? one. Yep. The Russian Federation, oh shoot, I missed it, mined the dam last year, and we were ignored. Again, this is from Ukraine. Now we are warning you again. Russia is preparing to conduct a terrorist attack on the Zeporusha nuclear power plant. Highly edited video here. Very suspenseful. Russia wants to blow up the nuclear power plant. You should know that. They want to do that. This could cause a disaster not only in Ukraine, but throughout Europe. Russia could cause a disaster on the scale of Chernobyl. Russia must withdraw from the Zaporizhian power plant before it's too late. So it sounds like a veiled threat to me. Because if they don't, World War III, essentially. And in case anyone's like a big, you know, doesn't, doesn't believe the West is involved in this, or like our country, there's this clip in the CNN. It's actually, did I link that one? It's in that same thread, on, just a little bit down. Has come and visited you regularly. He was here recently. What did you tell him CIA about the plan to take back territory in the counteroffensive? We don't have any secrets from CIA because we have good relations and our intelligence services talk with each other. So Ukraine has no secrets. He essentially just said, well, she said, she said that CIA had, had, visit, had visited Ukraine and um, he says, yeah, we don't have any secrets. We, we speak with the CIA. So to say that the CIA is not involved um, in intelligence is, is not true. Now, what's this crazy here is some people probably hear me and be like, what are you, what are you, you're like, you're anti-America in this? No, I'm not. I'm not. But the West, America, in my opinion, has been um, subverted. I don't, I don't believe that Zelensky, what, what, when, what, what, interest does america have in that war none i not to I've, I've not heard a single argument there's no reason other than stopping putin that's it russia bad putin bad get involved so i i yeah definitely i think there's shady business i think there's the american empire is falling and it should you know, I think the people that rule this country and, and have for a while should not, um, should not win. That's what I think.
And I think that Zelensky's corrupt. I think that Lindsey Graham is corrupt. Richard Blumenthal, all these people, I think they're corrupt individuals and they have weird interests. The Biden's probably involved, right? I mean, there was a whole like financial pay for play thing clip that happened during the last election that news came out that got buried, you know, the Hunter Biden deals, all that stuff. Like it's just messy, dude. It is messy. And then to take their word for it. No, I, I don't, I can't. That's pretty much all I have on that. Any thoughts on that? Not really. I feel like we covered it pretty thoroughly. I mean, uh, I may be less optimistic than you. We've talked about this in private where you, you clearly delineate that there's a good guy and a bad guy. This whole situation for me is just super pessimistic. It's like the world is kind of upended. Uh, whether or not you're pro-Putin or anti-Putin, the fact that like this level of a world power is kind of you know in play and like on the move just can't be good. It can't be good for our way of life. You know, I'm not generally pro chaos. I'm not an anarchist. So, and I'm also not war hungry. Like a lot of the neocons, they're just like ready for like any reason to put boots on the ground. So uh, all of this, I'm skeptical of. And uh, Zelensky just seems like a bad dude. Gut instinct. You've done a lot more research than I have, but he just seems like a super sketchy dude. Yeah. Yep. So that's what I think. All right. The secret sale. The code. You ready? The code this week for 20% off within the first 24 hours of uh, episode launching is Los Ranchos. That's L-O-S-R-A-N-C-H-O-S. Use that code at checkout and you get 20% off your order. When you go to chadbarella.com, that's all the goods. That's the St. Poncho Candles. That's the heritage jewelry, and that's the common trading post. Um, thank you for your support. We're so grateful. As well, don't forget, call in. Give us a message, a text message, a question, um, a voice prank call, something like that. You can call us or text us at 505 600 All right. Finally. And maybe I can tie it in, but it doesn't need to be tied into the whole West has fallen, is falling, is corrupt, and all this stuff. I mean, I don't think it's a secret to, I think everybody knows that Christian values, that this, this, this country was predominantly Christian. And a lot of the values that founded this country were based in Scripture, were based in the Bible, were based in objective truth. And like I said earlier, the fall of Rome, the Roman Empire, the fall of what we're seeing here in America, it always seems to be marked by the embracing of sin, the embracing of subjective truth, subjective reality, which it really is, it's when you get down to it philosophically, it's it's an exchange of gods. We're serving different gods, generally speaking, right? But I wanted to explore this because I was in the car the other day. I was talking to Bree, and I just, for whatever reason, just like had this like epiphany or this like moment of like wisdom or whatever it was, like this thought that came and I was like, wow, what is this? This doesn't make any sense to me. And not just on a cultural general sense, but there's this idea that 
some people love sin. We all do. I mean, we obey. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, um, if you love me, you will obey my, what I command. Uh, if you believe in me, you will do as I do. I always take those as like this idea that if you believe in me, you will do as I do. You could say you believe in something. You could say you believe a certain way, but if your behavior doesn't um, mirror that, then do you really? In the same way, if you, if you say you love something and you're not acting in a manner of that, do you really? And so in the same way, I think it's interesting that some people explicitly love things. Let me, let me give a premise here to make my case. When I was younger, I, le- I read the book Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, and he rationalized the law of God, and he equated it to like the law of gravity. He called it natural law, and that was actually the thing that persuaded him toward Christianity, toward the faith. He said if he couldn't persist as an atheist, yet still believe in the natural law, there had to be someone who informed this natural law, the moral law. Uh, and he equated it, again, to the law of gravity. So if you drop this stick, it will fall to the ground every single time. It obeys the law of gravity. And he, he said that what's strange is we do not obey God's moral law. Love. Jesus says to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbors yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these. And when we act in a manner not in that, the Bible actually defines um, anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. That's Romans 6.28. Um, and then, you know, the, the moral law. So, so when we consider that, and not only that, the, the wages of sin, lack of faith, not in obedience, bring about death. That death, that's just logical. That just makes sense. And so I think about these things and I think, why is it that we embrace them? If we know that these behaviors, you think of the seven deadly sins, they're not necessarily biblical things, but they are in principle envy, gluttony, greed, lust, pride, sloth, and wrath. We all are like propelled toward these things by our sinful nature of origin. And it's so difficult not to orient to those things. It's so difficult. It's so much easier to be jealous. It's so much easier to, to uh, be greedy or lustful or proud than it is to be humble or chaste, pure. Um, and I just think that's interesting. That moral law is we're 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 bound by it in a sense, but yet we're constantly propelled or like compelled to disobey it. And because of that, that breeds chaos, that breeds death. But if we were all perfectly loving towards each other, I'm not saying that this is like even really possible this side of heaven. But if we were, then we would live in perfect harmony with one another, just logically, right? I mean, if, if true, and I believe it is, the wages of sin is death, 
just very practically, why is it that we continue to do these things? If they, if they divide us from our, our families, if they ruin societies, it's because of idolatry. It's because we serve a different God. We do not serve that God. Just logically, I mean, to me, it just like really just clicked in my head. I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It doesn't make sense. It makes a lot of sense, but, but it also just doesn't make sense why we wouldn't, if, those, if the fruits of those things were just objectively good, wouldn't we do those things? Yes, but why don't we do this? Because we're so propelled and our, our appetites are so just ready for sin. I just think that's it's so interesting. If we were purely logical beings, which we're not, we're animals in a sense, I think we can rationalize that and, and we would be obedient. But I think that's just an interesting thing. Um, like who, who wouldn't want, I always come back to that, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Don't we all want those things in our lives? We all want joy. We all want to be joyful. We all want to be loved. But it's interesting, it kind of goes back to the identity thing, where sin kind of, tra- it, it passes down. We talked in the Father's Day episode, we we're talking about how, say, your dad treated you a certain way, negatively, um, verbally abusive, or, yeah, something like that. That sin, you know, the Bible talks about generational sins, it's generational curses. I think it's because of identity and the power of identity. This ties into that nation, national, nationality. This identity is just a really, really powerful thing. But when we come into the faith, we're given a new name, a new identity, a new... We're born again. And so all of the sins that used to bind us, we are now free, right? And that whole, break every chain. It's that we can, we can through Christ. He says, the Bible says it, because he overcame, we too must overcome, can overcome. We've been given the power of life over death because he was resurrected. He overcame death. Now we too can overcome death. That's, I mean, it all ties together. This, um, we're not bound by the things that used to bind us, the sins. Doesn't Jesus say something? I was thinking about that the other day too. Um, Jesus says, what you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. There's got to be something with that too, you know? This idea of like the spiritual, heavenly, eternal realm and how it interacts with this realm. I was thinking about this. I mean, I've just been in this season the past few years of like rationalizing the Bible. Grew up in the really hyper-spiritual, you know, thing and I, I can never really bridge the gap between the practical life, the heavenly reality and the earthly reality that we live in. And so I've been in this 
mode of like trying to reconcile the two, bridge the gap. But this is a big one for me. Um, and then it, it brought me a lot of, I don't know, uh, sense, a lot of dots connected when I, when I got here. And it's been a kick I've been on for a while, but it's this. The Logos. In the beginning was the Word. This is John 1. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Another translation is, in the beginning was the Logos. The Logos was with God. The Logos was God. The Logos became flesh. John is essentially saying that the Logos, that element that is in, that is in nature, that is a part of, it holds the world together. The cornerstone of all creation became flesh. The word of God. So when Jesus says this, so there's that. Jesus says this, he says, when two or more are gathered, I am there with you. This was like a moment for me, boom, where dialogue, what is dialogue? The definition of dialogue is when two or more are engaged in conversation, in rational conversation. He is there with us because he holds all things together. He is the logos. When we use logic, when we appeal to reason and logic, he is there. He's holding our conversation. He's, he's the one that's, he's there. He's literally there with us in a practical, in a vi- literal sense. And when I like made that connection, I was like, whoa, that's kind of weird. And then the word of God, that God uses that to, to build upon creation. That he was the foundation of the, there before the foundation of the earth. To me, it's just, it's just weird that that's what John is saying, is that Jesus literally, he was the Logos, but he became flesh. He is the very manifestation of God, it says. Um, to me, that just like bridged so many gaps. And when C.S. Lewis is kind of talking about the law, I grew up kind of thinking about the law as like just a very restrictive set of rules that would restrict my joy, my, my, my life, my fun, whatever. But it's actually quite the, it's the inverse of that, which is crazy. And so when, he, when C.S. Lewis says, it's like a father, you know, saying, hey, don't go near that, the cliff edge there. I want to preserve you from a bit of hell. Don't do that. Don't go to the edge. And I think of this all the time as a dad. I'm like telling my kids, don't, please don't have a pillow fight, you know, on that narrow couch. You're going to hit each other in the head and you're going to fall off. And like, I'm just like, I feel like I'm the law enforcement of the house. And, uh, but it's interesting because, I, you know, my heart isn't to like kill their joy. I try to be intentional and tell them like, hey, I'm not trying to like kill your joy. I want you guys to have fun. Why don't you guys do a pillow fight on the floor where the, the damage will be minimal? But in the same way, that's like kind of how C.S. Lewis rationalizes the law. And doing the right thing is actually preserving us right? To not be given over to drugs is not to restrict our fun, it's to give us life. 
That's, 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 that's simply, that's, that's, that's what it is. That's true. We all know that. That's what's crazy is that we, if we're like fair about it, we know that, but we don't necessarily behave. And it's because of the sinful nature. All of sin, all fall short of the glory of God. So that's just the weird thing. I was just battling that in my mind. It's like, yeah, logically, it t- I mean, you can't really argue with it if you're, if you're a rational person. The wages of sin is death. Practically, literally, when you engage in the gratification of the flesh, in contrast to obedience, in might be a little off, but I was thinking about learning. It's difficult to learn. It's difficult to focus. It's difficult to be patient, to, to, to be disciplined, to sit down and like sit with the displeasure of like playing a chord a thousand times to try to like get that mental memory down or something when you're playing guitar, when you're learning anything. It's difficult to do that, but when you sit down and you discipline yourself to do it, you're, you're, you're creating a, a better tomorrow for yourself. Right? You're, you're adding character. You're adding knowledge. And so in the short term, it's always the sacrifice of the short term for the long term. But anyways, I think I've kind of exhausted that idea. It's kind of really all I had. Do we have any listener questions? Yeah, we have a couple. Uh, pertaining to the Putin conversation from last week. I'll go through these one at a time. What was your first red flag as it pertains to the Ukraine slash Russia narrative? Hmm, the first red flag. You know, it was those uh, Ghosts of Kiev stories that came out as debunked. It's like, they're literally, they're throwing out easily debunked. Were they officially propaganda stories? Yeah, some of them were like literally video game footage. No Like way. these planes, yeah, they were from video game. Like an airplane simulator. I fell for that for like a week. A lot of people did myself, but it was the propaganda that was used to sway the American public. And I think honestly, it's coming out of like the last few years of like obvious propaganda, not just the last few years, but if you've been like red pilled for the last, however long, like just the lies throughout the last presidency and all this stuff. It's like you become a little bit less, a lot less suggestible, a lot more critical, a lot more. Yeah, you use your critical thinking. Some people just don't. They just rely upon others' thinking and trust. Just so dangerous. So dangerous. But yeah, no, I saw a lot of those things kind of come out and be easily debunked within minutes. Never sat well with you. Yeah, and then I would see other people. Like, I'd be curious, like, okay, well, what is this? And then you hear the, what the one was for me was, I was listening to, there's a podcast called No Agenda. Adam Curry, he was on Glenn Beck, and they did a really good interview. But he kind of dispelled a couple of these things. Like uh, him, him want, or Putin wanting to revive the Soviet Union. I told you this off air, uh, and I have the clip on my phone, but um, we're going to do it. We're going to do a, a Putin clips dispelling the propaganda about Putin. I think we're going to do it. <laughs> this is going to be like a Putin Russia backing show or something. No, it's not even that. Like, it really isn't. Like, I don't know that much, but what I've heard, I just, I don't believe that he's the boogeyman he's been made out to be by it. Uh, our media. So, but he was on, so Adam Curry was on Glenn Beck and he was talking about the uh, Soviet Union or, you know, the, 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 the trope that was being perpetuated throughout all of media that he wants to revive the Soviet Union. He's a literal communist. They were trying to get this 
narrative through. He said, no, what was actually said, if you listen to the actual translation, he says, those that don't mourn the loss of the Soviet Union are heartless. Those who want to revive it are mindless. Something along those lines. And so that, that's quite a bit different. Now, he, he, like I told this in the last episode, he, he, he was, um, his dad was KGB. I believe his dad was an atheist. I found a, a, a clip to kind of back this up again. Not in our notes, but um, again for a future episode. But he was, in fact, baptized by his mother into Eastern Orthodox. That's not to say he's a perfect, you know, Christian or anything like that. But um, when I heard that, I was like, huh, interesting. It's interesting that a lot of Christians are very, like, quick, quickly, you know, like, uh, knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, bad. Just because, like, yes, the Soviet Union used to, it was communist. It was bad. The Bolshevik Revolution, terrible. Absolutely. Do research on that one. Apparently, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he says that 66 million, mostly Christians, were murdered throughout the Bolshevik Revolution in the early 1900s. Terrible. Really, really bad stuff. Communism, bad. Putin's not a communist. If you find evidence to that, please send it in. He's not a communist. From what I understand through the clips, we'll do an episode, but yeah, so the first thing, sorry, I'm going off onto that, um, was the dispelling of, of the propaganda pro Zelensky stuff. And then you see all the, the stuff that came out about Zelensky being dancing naked and all these different things. I'm like, dude, no, I'm out. I think a lot of people are desensitized by that. Like, oh, it's just like SNL. Like everyone makes a fool of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's the disparity, right? That the, the, it's charity. It's suggestion. There's a, there's a level of charity that people, the West gives to Zelensky. Right. Why? Because the media treats him with favor. The same media that has been against Trump, that has been against all of, you know, the COVID, they've been pro, you know, all these different things. When you, when you get on one of those, you're like, wait a minute, I'm not going to trust you anymore. Or at least I'm going to, you know, take what you're saying with a grain of salt. But when the, the same people are in favor of this guy, I'm like, I'm out. Or at least I'm not going to, you know, take it at face value. And then you see those things, the spell is just worn off. It's worn off. The media has no influence on me whatsoever. I'm, I'm an independent journalist guy. Like I'll find... I'll find the independent guys. I'll, I want the direct source stuff. That leads into the next question we got. Uh, okay, obviously your take is different from the mainstream media's. Where are you getting your information and how can you trust it? Perfect. Um, I get a lot from Twitter. Again, uh, independent media. Um, I, for a while there, I liked Tim Pool. He's kind of like a left of center guy. Um, so I would listen to him a little bit. A lot of podcasts, like No Agenda. A lot of individuals, though. I mean, I like Elijah Schaefer quite a bit. Funny guys like Fleckas. But uh, as far as like politics and stuff go, that's I kind of those are some of my guys. Twitter and Instagram, I, dude. I, there's a, a few accounts that that are pretty intense. But um, yeah, you kind of find your independent guys if you're in that in, in that world. Your Rogan O'Handleys, your Jack Basobic types, the more mainstream type pe- people. But they tend to be dissidents, the people that get censored, the people. Honestly, when people get censored, I get more curious. and It's like, don't touch that button. No, I'm going to see what they have to say. I'm curious. So that answers that question. All right. On the last episode, you said that Putin upholds Christian values. It's hard to follow that train of thought. 
when he's so demonized by the general public. Can you explain that idea? Uh, and as a follow-up, do you maintain any criticisms of Putin? Yeah, I think people say that he's a dictator, to answer the second one first. Uh, and I do think that he has obtained more power than when he first you know, entered power. I think that's true. And I do think that he stifles opposition. I don't think it's debatable that he's that Russia is not necessarily the democracy that America is. However, he's got a 90% approval rating. The people like him. Um, I, I, yeah, like I said last week, I mean, it's a different political system. Not all governments operate the same. Totally. As I, I would like to see and do more research as like him like harming his opposition. Um, but dude, government's ugly. And I do, I do treat him with a degree of favorability more than um, maybe others. And it's probably because of his, um, his defense. So to answer the first question, he gave a speech, I believe it was in 2013, that was anti-globalist, anti-West. It wasn't like anti-West, like in a bad way, but it was more like the West has left the former values that they used to hold to. And they've, they've been subverted. They've, they've, they have no basis, no foundational biblical uh, Christian values or religious values that they used to hold to. He says this in a speech and he gets like, he takes a lot of heat for it. A lot of the Western media made fun of him, outcast him. And when you do your research, this is the big thing for me. I actually think that he's most demonized because he is a defender of traditional values. And funny enough, it's not just like Christian. There was a clip that came out where somebody in, a, in another country was tr trying to burn the Quran, and he was like, no, that, that wouldn't fly in this country. And so I thought that was an interesting take. Of course, like I'm not Muslim, but um, he also defends other religions. So there is, there is a degree of religious respect in that country. Now, he doesn't treat them all the same, and I, I don't think we should. Like, should we treat you know, Christianity on the same level as Satanism? I don't think so. Some people would. It, you know, as far as like, there has to be some sort of objective standard by which we judge values in society. And in America, it seems as if we've lost objective standards. We've thrown them all out. And when you don't have an objective standard by which to, to judge things through, nothing is meaningful. Nothing has value. And I think that's why we find ourselves in the position we do in our society where love is love. What does that mean? No, it's not. That's, that does, that's circular thinking. That's circular logic. That doesn't make sense. God is love. You've got to appeal to a higher ultimate reality and, and, and they will not do that. It kind of has to do with that secularist versus, you know, yeah, at some point, a society is nationhood. A society has to be um, defined or it has to have a, a, a moral spine or, or a values basis. And we don't seem to have that. Russia does seem to have that. And I actually envy them in a sense. We live in mud here. Any other ones? The last question is, is just kind of... Uh, maybe more of a comment. Uh, what would be 
how would you convince the average listener to take a deeper look into this subject? You know, what's uh, that's hard for me because I'm so, you know, disenfranchised with the whole or maybe alienated from the whole mainstream media perspective that like I'm kind of in, in your boat. If they say something, I want to look up the opposite and see if it's true. Mm-hmm. But if someone's not quite in that boat, they don't have a complete distaste for the mainstream media or the narrative. What would be the thing that, you know, would, would, propel them to take a deeper look at this topic. You're saying if they, if they do listen to the mainstream? Yeah, if they do, if they're just following the, the common narrative, because it's not even the mainstream media at this point. I mean, that's where it originated, but it's everyone. Yeah. I, you know, if you're not, you know, skeptical about the mainstream media at this point, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that you can pull yourself out of it. I mean, after everything we've been through over the last few years and all of the lies through the Joe Rogan, you know, being a dissident, I mean, all the dissidents that have come out, there have been so many leaders who have been proven right from what they've said. And the people who have lied and scammed people. Like I was talking to a guy about, uh, last week about, he asked me, he's like, so you said last, you said that, um, you said that you weren't, you didn't stand with BLM. And he said, well, my, my, my girlfriend is, um, is black. So he said something like that, that offended me or that was, I didn't understand what you meant. What do you mean by that? And I was like, oh, it's easy. The organization is entirely separate from the phrase. But what's interesting is there's still some people who have just not acclimated themselves to the public, the narrative that has formed. And I told him, I said, there's been documentaries that have come out. Candace Owens, did a, Candace Owens did a great documentary called The Greatest Lie Ever Sold about the founders, the Marxist, the self-proclaimed Marxist founders who were trying to destabilize the nuclear family who, at least locally, the local chapter, were trying to extort businesses saying, donate or we're going to protest outside your business. Um, you know, you got to have a level of curiosity, I think, to, to answer that question in simple. And, and if you don't, I don't know if, you, if there's really much hope. I mean, I think this just goes back to the suggestibility. I mean, some people are still just really, really gullible. Not in a, I don't mean that in a mean way, but that's, I, I, you must have been living under a rock if like, you're not critical anymore of, of mainstream media, mainstream narratives. They seep in, you know. But I do think that a lot of people just don't pay attention and they just like, yeah, they're just not interested. You got to be curious. You got to not, you got to think critically. Not saying that my perspective, don't take my perspective. You do your own research, you know, but yeah. It's, yeah, I don't know if I answered that. Is there a final video? I have three or four that were, uh, here we go. To us, so, We'll go as far as you want on these. What is this? Addicted to the energy in this video is the quote. Just the caption. Come on. We're watching a couple guys dancing. Well, it's like a group of guys, but they're really locked in there. Yeah, he like trust fell into his buddy. Yeah. I'm trying to kind of understand what's happening here. 
Like they know this dance. Oh yeah. Like where is this? What is this culture? Does this make sense to you? No, generally like group dances don't make any sense to me. It just doesn't seem like a crowd to be doing like these types of line dances, you yeah, know? It must be like homies that do this often. It's this is a strange culture. But cool. Hey. They're good. <laughs> they are good. They're like It just seems like such a weird activity to do with your buddies. Hey, let's go, you know, let's go line dance into Men in Black. That's true. Unless you thought you were going to get 400,000 views or likes. Then maybe uh, I don't know why that's so. I would have never. That would have never really captured my attention at all. <laughs> Very <laughs> odd. All right, so here is one about wives and driving. It looks like they're stopping. Break! Gosh, sorry about that. that. Was loud. That was super loud. What does it say? Wives when wives they, when they look up from their phone to see brake lights three miles ahead while you're driving. Oh, gosh. The overreaction. Does Brie do that? Siri, yes. Yes, she does. She's definitely a... Um, My wife will yell, watch out! And I'm like, I'm like, I hit the brakes, and they're like three blocks away. I know, I get, I get mad at her. I'm like, hey, come on. Come on, you're panicking. I understand. It's like she doesn't have control of the car, but... Yeah, no. That's funny. Uh, one more. All right, here we go. Did you lock the front door? Oh my gosh. That's my wife. The caption says, My wife as soon as I get into bed. <laughs> Seriously, I think I came home from the podcast last week. She's like, You shut the garage? And I was like, Yes. Because <laughs> she does, she does do that. All right. Thank you for watching the show. That's about all we have. If you haven't already and you liked the show, is some value to you? Like, hit the like button on YouTube. Subscribe to the show wherever you're watching. Um, have a very nice night. Love you. Bye.